with you. But this morning, we're going to find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5 again, verse 9. So why don't we pray? Did everybody get a handout this morning when you came in? Okay, we've been doing that going along. Has that been helpful? Okay, when it stops being helpful, let me know because it's a lot of extra work to put it together. <laughs> but it's something I'm hoping you guys are going to be able to go back to and share with others because again, we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but we're also given a great commission by God and it's to go and make disciples. And I think concerning the Gospels, especially as we're considering the Sermon on the Mount here, how great to have a resource, stuff to go back to. Hey, let's dive in. Let's take a look. Let's slow down a little bit because a lot of people have even put the Beatitudes to memory. Okay, They can go through them, but have we slowed down to really think about what did Jesus actually mean? What is he saying here? And as we've considered a handful of them already, there's a lot here. So let's pray and ask God to open our hearts once again as we look to him in his word. Yeah, Father, we are grateful for this time together this morning. It is always good to seek your face. It is good to open your word to study it. Lord, you told us that it is alive. Lord, that it's powerful, that it's truth, that it is able to set us free. And this morning as we consider being peacemakers, God, we know this is something that the world is so longing for. And no matter how hard we try to manufacture and try to do, Lord. It just seems to fail. So we just pray as we consider your peace this morning that you'd give us ears to hear God's spiritual understanding. And I would pray for any here today, Lord, who are not at peace with you, that they would come to a saving knowledge of who you are, that they would truly have peace with their maker. In your name, amen. So North Korea, South Korea, I don't talk politics a whole lot, but I've prayed a whole long because we know of the persecution that's been going on over there, especially with Christians. I don't know if you guys saw on the news yesterday, it's the first time, I think since the 50s, early 50s, that North Korea, South Korea leaders have gotten together and they're talking peace plans. And that's yippee skippy, we don't know how long it'll last. We've heard of peace talks before, you know, come together and they fall apart. But be praying, guys, because I believe this might be a great opportunity and a great door for the gospel to really go forth if all this stuff pans out, and I think it's great. So be praying for that. So take a look with me here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be the, or called the sons of God. Or as a paraphrase translation puts, puts it, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are in your place in God's family. So the Bible is a book of peace. Approximately 400 times this comes up as you read the scriptures. It opens with peace. It ends with peace. Wars arose because of Satan, because of man's disobedience. Peace in the Bible is so much more than the absence of war. You guys need to understand that. A lot of people, and if the wars could just stop, if all this fighting could stop, then we'd finally have peace. No, peace is so much more than just the absence of it. Okay, Peace is a positive force. It signifies the presence of all that is good and wonderful. Now peace, it's an inner togetherness. It's an order, orderliness. You have things together. It's being together on the inside. That's what a lot of people are looking for. Okay, that's why counselors are doing so well today, because there's a lot of people looking for answers. That's why a lot of drugs are being sold today. People just are wanting peace. Augustine called it in tranquility of order. I like how he put it that way. Like you guys have heard of Billy Graham, correct? He just went home to be with Jesus, lucky guy. Um, <clears throat> he once wrote this. He said, Jesus didn't leave a material inheritance to his disciples. All he had when he died was a robe, which went to the Roman soldiers. His mother, whom he turned over to his brother John, his body 
which he gave up to Joseph of Amaritha, uh, and his spirit, which returned to his father. But Jesus willed his followers something more valuable than gold, more enduring than vast land holdings, and more to be desired than palaces of marble. He willed us his peace. I love that. His peace. That's what people are looking for to have that peace with God. John 14, 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So perhaps you too are facing unknowns. I just don't know how this is going to shake out. Do some of you guys find anxiety with the unknowns in life? I do sometimes. You want that peace? It's just not there. You see, guys, peace in the face of uncertainty is indeed a precious gift. And do you look at the peace that God gives us as a gift? Do you thank him for that gift? Do you thank him when you're going through it and things should be a mess? (laughs) You should be undone and overwhelmed and you're just sitting there (laughs) and the peace of God is just with you. Do you thank him for that precious gift? Thank you, Lord, for that. You see, given to us by the Prince of Peace himself, this peace is available to us not only during Christmas, which is 240 days away from now, um, but it's year-round. Do you guys understand that? We consider him the Prince of Peace. But that is who he is 365 days a year. He is that for us. Now, Jesus willed us his peace. Do you understand that? This was his will. He came to bring peace. Now, how to become children of God? I think that's a good question, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Well, how do you become children of God? Wednesday, uh, before we uh, begin our afternoon time with our pantry guests at the Freedom Center, we have a few hundred families that come through on Wednesdays, uh, we'll take time to pray and to give thanks. And every once in a while, I like talking about Jesus. So I share the gospel once in a while. And I simply shared a scripture, which I'm going to share with you guys this morning in a moment, But I asked them the question about how is a person truly saved? And I asked the question, how many do you think get to go to heaven because they're good people? Do you think anybody rose their hand? A bunch of people. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I teared up this morning. I did the thing I normally don't do before church on Sunday. I went on Facebook. I don't know about you guys, Facebook gets me down a lot. (laughs) But there was a post, and there was a little boy who was in tears who had a question for the Pope. And the boy had a hard time even talking because he was crying so hard. And one of the cardinals, bishops, whoever, came over to comfort him and actually brought the boy right up to the Pope. And the Pope sat there with this little boy, and they had this conversation back and forth. And then the little boy went back and the Pope then ended up sharing what their conversation was because the boy said it was okay. Well, he wanted to know where his dad, he was in tears, he was broken because he didn't know if his dad was going to be in heaven because his dad was an atheist. You know what the Pope did? He riled up the whole crowd that was there because his dad was a good man and had his kids baptized even though he was an atheist. Wouldn't God be good and allow his dad, because his dad was a good man, to be in heaven? Got the whole crowd hurrying to that. That's blasphemy, guys. This is a man that leads over a billion people upon this planet in the name of Christ. That is blasphemy. is against the gospel. Period. You have to be born again in the Spirit. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Period. It is faith in Him. Period. 
and this thing is going viral. They have the nice music in the background of this video, good feeling. And it is, if you're just looking at it, oh, what a great man loving this child. You know, I'm glad the Pope was loving on this child, but lying to him, that's not love. Because this child may think, well, it's just as long as I'm good, I can live like my dad. I guess I don't even have to believe in God. And if there is a God, at least I was a good man and God will let me in anyways. Do you understand what he spoke to the world? Well, what does the Bible say? If you're going to be part of God's family, if you're going to spend eternity with him in heaven, how do you become a son or a daughter of God's? Well, he does not tell us here how to become a son of God. He simply says that sons of God are fact peacemakers. That's the point that he's making. We want to make that clear in context here. So to see how to become children of God, we can look at John chapter 1, verse 12, where Jesus said, But as many as received him, Jesus, to them, received him, not denied him, not being an atheist, okay? To those that received, we do that by faith. To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Again, it is a faith thing. It's not by works. It's not being a good person. It's by those who by faith have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have given their allegiance to him. I told the pantry guests that they're either a child of God's or a child of Satan's. And if you guys could have saw their faces on Wednesday. Oh, wow. I don't believe in Jesus. And this guy just told me that I am a son of Satan. I was speaking it in love, but that's the truth. That might sound harsh, but the truth is you're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He made the greatest sacrifice so your sins could be forgiven. It is a gift that you can receive by faith. That's how you become a child of God. Some people think if they just get to church, if they just give some money and do some good things, get baptized, you're good. Show me that in the Bible. God never said that. That's man-made. That's our flesh. That's look at me. Look what I can do. That's a false gospel from the pit of hell. Sorry. Let's get back to this. So you guys see where John said that clearly? Here in chapter 1, verse 12 of the Gospel of John. And then in Galatians chapter 3, which I just shared with you guys earlier, but in verse 26 this time, it says, For you are all children of God through faith, in Christ Jesus. So how is a person truly saved? It's by faith in Christ. Period. But that's too easy. It's not too easy. It costs God everything. Don't cheapen it, guys. There's nothing more, nothing greater that could have been done. Creator of all things, God Almighty humbled himself and laid down his life for you. That's not cheap at all. There's nothing greater that could have been given than the life of God himself. So how then to be called children of God? Well, the children of God have the character of their father. Would you guys agree with that? There's some family resemblance there. Paul tells us that the father is the God of peace. Don't you love that he is portrayed as the God of peace over and over again in the scriptures? I'm thankful because a lot of people think they need to fear God. Okay? No. <laughs> he came to make peace. Okay? He's going to come back and set every wrong right. <laughs> there will finally be world peace, whether we like it or not. But he's the one who's going to do that. So Paul tells us that the Father is the God of peace, Romans 16.20, and that heaven is a world of peace. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You guys ever hear that? Oh, we're talking Christmas again. Yeah, 240 days away. But that reality is right here, right now. Luke 19.38, and the God is a God uh, that is a peacemaker. He is a peacemaker. That is who our God is. Doesn't that excite you guys? What has he been doing? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's what our God has done. And then in Colossians 1.20, having made peace through what? Through the blood of the cross. That's how we have peace. 
no sacrifice, no shedding of blood, there is no peace. I don't know if you guys saw, I was a little bored last night, so on my Facebook I threw up a picture I made. I had the resist fist, and you guys see that? Blood running down, and it says uh, revolution on there and stuff, but love, rev, if spelt backward, love is found in there. And underneath there, I just had the scripture, you know, God desires none to perish, but all to come to eternal life. I mean, that is his heart. That is our God. That's why he was pierced and hung upon that tree. It's by his blood being shed as a perfect sacrifice we can be forgiven. Why? To make peace finally. Because we've been at war with God. You guys understand that? We have been at war with God. The world is at war with God. So, by nature, we rebelled against God and we have committed really high treason and are worthy of being eternally court-martialed and hanged by the neck until dead. Nevertheless, we have God. He was a sacrifice. He sacrificed his own son and now declares amnesty, free and clear to any who will lay down their arms of independence and put their faith in him. Anybody. But pastor, I've sinned too much. Good. (laughs) Don't put my God in a box. Amen? Okay? So God is a peace-loving God and a peace-making God. Oh... I've really struggled in preparation this week for this study, guys. I've really struggled. I see a world that hates us because we are a Christian. And it's hard because God's asking us to love our enemy, to step in despite all the political nonsense, stupidity. We're to love. We have a world that is rejecting Christ, pushing their agendas upon us. Okay? Satan is using the world to attack the church, attack believers. I don't know if you guys ever get sick of it. I mean, we're told we're going to have this war. It's going on, but we see it happening way too much. And God's asking us to engage into it. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes it's just easier to want to run. I don't even want to deal with this stupidity. People are so angry and so hard towards God. We're willing to lie to our children to tell them that we're just a byproduct, survival of the fittest. What a joke. Look around, there's creation. And you're going to tell them there's no creator? That's just stupid. But that's what we're doing. We're denying God so much. In the news this last week, you guys saw this stuff in California that's going on. They're trying to pass this legislation stuff. And if it passes, it's going to be legal to sell a Bible. You know? Well, because Christians are not politically correct. That is the problem that the world is having. They're hating us. They're hating, and it's not really about us. It's about our God that we love and we cherish. They hate Jesus. And I don't get it because Jesus loves them a whole lot. (laughs) That's the problem that's so hard. But in that, we got to learn. We got to be crying out that God is changing us to be more like him, to have a heart more like him. That's the only thing that's going to give us over our criticalness. Okay? So, therefore, God's children need to be this way too. Peace-loving, peacemaking, if we have the character of our Father. What He loves, we should love. What He pursues, we need to pursue. You can know His children by whether they are willing to make sacrifices for peace the way God did. If he is a peacemaker, then his children who have his nature, they will be peacemakers too. I've known people, I've had friends who've gone to the Middle East to preach the gospel to Muslims and they have died. I went to school with two of them. Why would you go there? Why would you do that? Because that's the heart of our Father, guys. He loves the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What sacrifices are we willing 
to make. So the source of this peace then is God. Are you guys getting this? Because this can't come from anywhere else but him. When someone comes out with a product and say it sells well, everybody wants to get it, wants it, wants in on it, wants a piece of the action, but it's never the same as the original, is it? Okay. How many of you guys remember that uh, bazooka bubblegum? Right? Yeah. Nothing's even come close to that. Like, I, I loved that stuff growing up. You know, you got a little comic with it. It was just cool. Same thing's true um, when it comes to God's peace. No one has ever been able to match it. Six times in the New Testament, he's called the God of peace. So there is no conflicts in the nature of God. None. We Christians, we have to battle within because we have higher and lower nature. This is why I've struggled so hard this week, okay? We have this nature, and it's off. But that's not so with God. He is always at perfect peace within himself. He is Yahweh Shalom, as Gideon called him in Judges 6.24. Okay? That perfect peace. Wayne Grudem defined peace this way. The doctrine that God is separate from all confusion and disorder in his being and in actions, yet he is continually active in an innumerable, well-ordered, fully controlled, simultaneous actions. You see, he is also the God of peace as far as his will is concerned. Think about his will. It's about peace. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Right? Thoughts of peace. This is God's thoughts for us. I have thoughts of peace for you and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29.11. A lot of us know that scripture. But I hope you grab that. His thoughts are those of peace. That's his heart. So he thinks about us, and his thoughts are of our peace to accomplish our perfect purpose for our lives. So our Heavenly Father is the God of peace. Our Savior is the Prince of peace. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of peace. So the source of our peace is God, and no other source can be true peace. Has anyone ever found true peace outside of Christ? No. No. I'm sorry, but sitting on top of a mountain, totally secluded, staring at your belly button, is not going to do it. And they will testify to that. They will testify to that. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Even when we try to find inner harmony and be peace with oneself. Well, the problem is we're fallen and sinful ourselves. That's why no one can reach it. That's why so many cultures have embraced this religion that, hey, we just can't get it done in this life. No matter how hard we try, we need another try, another chance. Reincarnation over and over and over and over again until we hit nirvana. Well, that doesn't work that way. No one ever hits nirvana. Why? Because apart from Christ, you're never going to find that peace. You can't be at peace, perfect peace, without God, the source of true peace. So, if we are to be peacemakers, we must know God and draw upon his supply of peace. Amen? That could have been the sermon right there. Just that line. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's the bottom line. We have to draw it from him. So I want to talk with you guys about the enemy of peace. And it is sin, right? Isn't sin the thing that has brought division between us and God? It's sin. That's what's divided. That's what's put these walls up. See, a believer living in sin is a great troublemaker and not a peacemaker because sin is an enemy of peace. Now, God has three enemies, right? Our flesh is his enemy. We're told in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. 
The world is his enemy, we're told in James chapter 4, verse 4. And the devil is his enemy in Matthew chapter 13, verse 39, which we'll be at in about a year from now. Um, for you guys visiting, we're just going through the gospel of Matthew verse by verse, not this lowly. We'll start doing more. But, um, so the, the thing I want us to see here is when we side with these enemies, we are declaring war against God. Let's be logical and real, right? When we do that, that's what we're doing. Well, I don't mean to do that. I just want to be a part of the world. No, when you choose to run with the world, you are declaring war against God. Bottom line. So this is why so much trouble results when Christians get outside of the will of God. I have Christians all the time that are just torn up. I don't have peace with God. Well, you're in sin. Repent. And it's the same thing. Week after week, month after month, sometimes year after year for some believers. Well, you're in this habitual sin. You keep rebelling. You keep running against, running from God. What do you expect? Of course you're not going to have peace. You see, Abraham fleeing to Egypt is a great example of that, okay? Of a Christian getting out of the will of God. We have David with Bathsheba. Was that the will of God? Absolutely not. Look what that brought, chaos, okay? You guys know those Psalms, Psalm 50, around that area, okay? There's a handful of Psalms that David wrote about his repentance, his brokenness. Five years it took him to write all those. That's how long that brother had to go through it because of sin. Jonah was almost the cause of a shipwreck and the death of a whole crew of pagans because of his sin, his disobedience. So if I'm at war with God because there is sin in my life, then I cannot be a peacemaker. Logical. Now, let's look at the dispenser of peace. It is the Christian. It is the Christian. Or the minister of peace. Isn't that what God's asking us to do here in Matthew 5, 9? Blessed. You will be blessed if you're a peacemaker. He's asking believers to do this. So we have experienced it, and guess what? We get to share it. Why? Because we're the ones that have experienced it. You understand that? We get to share that with others. We once didn't have it, right? Would you guys agree with that? All right? Titus 3.3 says that one time we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And now we have it. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, just as if you've never sinned because of our faith in Christ, right? That's how we are set right with God, because of him, faith in Jesus, which um, but we're justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then his peace continues to provide. Uh, there's like this interior coat of armor, okay, over our inner man. You guys know how the scriptures speak to that? We're to build up that inner man. We want to have peace with God in that way. Philippians 4, 7, I love it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the thing that's cool. And that's the thing that trips out the world. As we're called to be dispensers of this peace, the world may be tripping over over a hardship, a hard thing. And they ask you, what's your deal? Why aren't you tripping? Why do you have this peace? Why are you okay with this? So-and-so just passed away. Yeah. And I knew them. And I knew they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know where they're going. Yeah, I knew them. And I knew they denied God. But I know my God was good and faithful. And I shared the good news with them. God loved them so much. And they rejected him. That sucks. But you know what? I'm going to share the same thing I shared with them with you right now. <laughs> that you might have eternal life. That you might have peace with your maker like they didn't. Do you guys understand? There's just a peace that even in things that we can't even really wrap our head around that are beyond us, you know, to have peace with God. I've seen tragedy in my life, guys. I've seen people go through things 
that I didn't think they'd come out as strong, as beautiful, as wonderful, things to shake out as good like God promises as they do. I look and I say, you got to be kidding, Lord. You are so good. You're so good. I don't know if you guys heard this last week. Our sister Erin got engaged. Praise God. Praise God. You know, and Erin, if you're watching, I love you, sister. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I don't know. But I really believe with the tragedy of being shot herself, losing her husband and her oldest daughter, okay, she has grown so much in the grace of God. She's gotten so bold with the gospel and so in love with people. She's a beautiful woman of God. I got to see her come to Jesus Christ 20 years ago, grow, get married, raise her family, her kids in the Lord in a beautiful way. But she has grown so much in the last three years, guys. I don't know if she would have grown that much if she lived a long life here with no tra- It's God. But in it, how was she able to move on? It's the peace of God. Because if we as God's kids, if we don't have his peace, are we able to move forward? No way. No way. We're going to get beaten down. We're not going to have what we need. And what we need is that peace with God. Because when we have peace with God, you can be that missionary that steps out. I'm going to the Muslim world. <laughs> God's asking me to go. He's asking me to share. I don't know. and stuff. This stuff normally scares me, but I just have a peace about it. You know, And we still have those fears, but when God's peace is there, it's that thing that strengthens us. It emboldens us. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's only God. We can't talk ourselves into that stuff. You know, just have a positive mind. No. <laughs> it's not how that works. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's nothing we can work ourselves up to. This is the type of peace God's talking about. It's way beyond anything we can work up or do ourselves. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, but you get the point of what Philippians 4.7 is saying here. The God of peace will give you this peace that surpasses understanding, and then it's going to do something. It's going to guard our hearts. I love that. So we begin this ministry by making peace with our brother. First, by controlling our anger. Okay. In the context, let's go back to Matthew 5 if you're not there. Jump down to verse 21 and we'll go through this at length in a few weeks from now. But I want to look at verse 21 with you. Jesus saying here, You have heard that it is said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry, not murder, but just angry, with his brother without cause and in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says to you, Fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, you bring your gift to the altar, and if there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar, and you go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and, you, and the judge uh, hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid every last penny. So God really wants us to check our hearts. You know? Anger. He looks at that as murder. Okay? And if that's in our heart, if we are embittered, if we are angry with a brother, you know, how can we do God says, you need to leave your gift at the altar. Don't go to church. <laughs> go be reconciled. That's peacemaking, guys. But he's done me wrong. You don't understand, God. No, he does understand. Okay? It normally takes two. <laughs> All you're responsible is for your part. So God accepts no gifts without a right heart. Worship and warfare cannot exist at the same time, guys. So we also minister by making peace with our enemies. We also see that in verses 44 and 45 here. The context is loving the enemy, right? Okay, that's the context around what we just read. So that you may be sons of your father, he says. Okay, we are to be... Called 
peacemakers. And it isn't peace at any price. I want us to grab this because I'm seeing this happen. <laughs> it's not peace at any price. Peace at the expense of honesty and humility will only lead to more war. Does that make sense? A false peace is more dangerous than open war. See, problems are only covered over. James 3.17 says, the wisdom that's from above, it's first pure, and then it's peaceable. Isn't that cool? Think about what we've been studying in the Beatitudes. I want you guys to note, it's first pure and then peaceable. The sixth Beatitude was what? The pure in heart shall see God. Pure in heart. Now we're on the seventh one. And what is it? We're called to be peacemakers. See that? First pure and then peaceable. So Christians should bring peace between people at odds with God and really with one another. Are you guys ever called upon? I'm having a problem with so-and-so. <laughs> well, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I got my own problems. But this is something that God's calling us to do, is to step in, to be a peacemaker. And hopefully, we do have maturity in Christ. We do have wisdom and knowledge and know God's ways and his heart that we are able to sit down with others and speak into those things with them. You know, there's so much. Well, I need a counselor. I need a counselor. I can tell you guys proportionally, we as a church, we don't do a whole lot of counsel compared to most churches. And you want to know why? I think it's because you're well taught from the scriptures. When you guys get it, what the word says, it's easy to address where your heart is, what the problem is, before it gets out of control, for one. But things do get out of control. And guess what? You guys know where to go. Well, I've got to talk to the Lord about this. And in seeking Him and repenting, your heart gets right. Things get worked out that way. We also have one another. It's not like I've got to call Pastor Landon or one of the elders right away. Hey, here's a brother or sister I've been doing Bible study with. I know their heart. I know they know the Word. I know they love me. They care for me. I know they know the truth. I'm going to call them. I'm going to get a counsel from them because in a multitude of counselors, there's what? There's safety. There's wisdom there. Okay? We need each other in that way. And let me tell you what. Who's the great counselor, guys? Jesus Christ. Okay? He's the one we go to for most. Now, um, yeah, we need to be ministers of peace. Share the gospel of peace with others, guys. Um, yeah, Sunny came home uh, Friday. She's got a friend she's been witnessing to for a long time. And this friend has some neighbors that they're good friends with. Um, and he's not a believer. This other family's not a believer. And we were talking because he's just like overwhelmed about what to share. Like, what do, I, what do I say? What do I do in this situation? Have you ever been through this, Sonny? And as a pastor's wife, yeah, you go through a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to tell you the details of it. But it's a pretty big, hard thing. And, I, you know, as we were just talking, it's just like without the gospel, without the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, how can you speak into this situation like that or any situation when things are broken. If God's not a part of the equation, I don't know what to say to people either. I'd be very lost. You know, I could give you some coping mechanisms and teach you some deep breathing and tell you to move away, then you won't have to deal with it again. Maybe the grass is greener over there. It doesn't do nothing. <laughs> but when we're able to share the gospel, the gospel of peace with people, Man, that's where the power is. That's where real change can come. And that's, brother and sister, what we have that this world doesn't have. And people are looking for answers. I look at how much money is being wasted on all this self-help stuff. People are looking and trying so hard to get it together, to find peace. It ain't going to happen apart from Jesus Christ. So, peacemaking. Being a peacemaker you're really a bridge builder. That's what you're doing. Abigail, familiar with her in the scripture? 
I look at her as a true peacemaker, neat gal, right? Who, whose courage spared David, the future king of Israel, from committing a very terrible sin and a foolish, against her foolish husband, uh, Nadab. Was, was that his name? Anyways, Abigail. She's the cool one. Nabal, that's it. Yeah, but it's just that's what, that's what we need to be like. Okay, we need to step in <laughs> to situations. Well, that's just a mess. Just let them work it out and we'll see what happens. I'll pray, I'll pray. That's what I'm to do as a Christian. No, God says you're to be a peacemaker. And that actually means you need to step in and do something about it. Dehan said this, how blessed are those who preserve, uh, persevere Sorry, to bring a conflict to an end and if the peace of Christ takes hold, an enemy becomes a friend. I like that. So the payoff of peace is godliness. So our payment is godliness. Godlike, we become like our Father. Children are like their parents, right? A chip off the old divine block. Um, so those lives reflect kingdom ethics. They will be identified as children of God. Romans chapter 8, my favorite chapter, verse 14, says, For as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That's why we're exhorted to be in step with the Spirit. You know if you're not. You know if you're fighting. You're grieving Him. You know it. <laughs> and there's not going to be peace there in your life if you're doing it. So led by the Spirit of God describes living under the control and the empowerment of the Spirit. God's not going to ask us to do something where he's not going to enable us to do it. He's going to empower us to do that thing. So sons of God, this language actually invokes for you and I Old Testament terminology for Israel as being God's son, right? Exodus 4.23. It also was a language used for God's divine family. So this verse associates Old Testament ideas of divine sonship with the church. So believers become part of God's family by adoption, right? So the process of peace is really easy. No, what I got in the handout. It's difficult, right? It's difficult. That's why we're taking some time this morning to really talk through this, consider this, because it's not an easy thing. What does God say to this? What is his wisdom in this? Well, you see, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, he is, in essence, saying making peace is difficult. I am asking you to do a lonely thing. Many marriage counselors, they will confirm the fact that when a marriage is in trouble, both partners often seek allies people who will side with them. Rarely does one of the troubled part or partners seek a dispassionate person who will listen to both sides and help bring about reconciliation. So sometimes in a dispute, there is clearly an injured party, one that is wronged. In other times, two pots simply begin to boil on two different burners, okay? So when two or more people are in a dispute or two or more countries are in a dispute, both seek control and both seek to dominate. Almost invariably, each despondent is convinced that he or she is right, even the one who has done the injuring. So peacemakers who step forward and do not take sides are not popular people. It's not an easy thing. Peacemaking is not the same as peace achieving either. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, it isn't always going to happen. It's not always going to succeed. How many of you guys have been working at something for a while and it's just like there's no resolution coming? Lord, I keep praying, I keep talking, keep working. It ain't happening. Just want peace here, Lord. Please, I'm trying to do my best. Um, a peacemaker longs for peace. We want to see that. It even burdens us when we see loved ones going through something. We carry that because we are sons and daughters of God and we desire to see that peace. You know, like I got really stoked when I saw North Korean, South Korea leaders. I'm like, what is, 
You know, am I dreaming? What's happening? You know, <laughs> I don't, I, we don't know what's going to come of that. But as a child of God, I'm just like, yes, finally, this, this is good. This is right. We should all be doing this, you know? Um, so they long for peace. Peacemakers, they work for peace and they're willing to sacrifice for peace. But attainment of peace, it may not come. That's just reality. In Romans 12, 18, jot this down if you struggle with this. Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Okay? So do your part. Whatever you can do, do your part to live peaceably. But it's in my nature to stir the pot. Yeah, that's your fallen nature. We need to repent of that. We need to let go of our rights. Okay, because there's a lot of times you might be absolutely right. Who cares? Christian, you are a dead man walking. Does that make sense? We are called to be a living sacrifice. There's things that we give up. And sometimes it's going to be having to be right in this situation. Why? For the greater right, which is peacemaking. Does that make sense? Okay? And we do that humbly. We do that in love. I'm not saying you forgo truth. We still need to be honest. But there needs to be love in that, guys. So let's wrap this up. We experience peace with God at salvation. Okay? For I don't know how many testimonies I've heard over the years, but most of them when I hear they talk about that born-again experience when they finally repent and they turn to Christ and they receive that gift of salvation, they talk about a peace that they've never experienced before. They finally have peace with their maker. Okay? And I've led people to Christ before. I love being in the jail. Some people, wicked, evil, those type of people who... Chaplain, I, I, don't know if, I, I don't know if God can forgive me. And you just share the, the glorious truth of the gospel with them. And they, by faith, receive that. And they start weeping uncontrollably. It's like, what's wrong? This peace. I feel God. Everything I've worried about, everything I've been so scared of, this society that is, just wants me away, who wants me just to be locked up and gone. God is not. <laughs> He's not rejected me. He's forgiven me. I have this peace, even though I'm still incarcerated. You know, It's beautiful. So God gives us peace at salvation. He gives us peace during our sanctification. Okay? The process that we're going through as believers is God is changing us. Okay? Is it easy to become more like Christ? No. Okay? The Bible never promised that. You who choose to live godly shall suffer persecution. We will be refined to become more like Him. It's a hard process. But there's a peace in it. Some of the hardest things I've gone through in life, man, I have a peace in this, God. What's up with this? You know? Others can't even explain it. I don't get it. I can. You need to know the one I know. That's what's explaining this. And then, the last part is this eternal peace that we get at glorification, which hopefully, one day soon, he comes to get us. So once we've made our peace with God, then we can experience the peace of God. The first is judicial. The second is experiential. Again, that Philippians 4, 7, I hope you guys have memorized it. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So guarding our hearts, that's actually a military term if you look into how it was used there in the Greek. It's picturing soldiers standing on guard duty and refers to guarding of a city gate from within as a control on what went out. Pretty cool, huh? So this word guard to keep a garrison, it's like peace soldiers, a peacekeeping force guarding something valuable. It's guarding what? Your heart. 
which we talked at length about last week, right? That new heart that God gives us, pure heart. He's guarding our emotions, our mind. So it's God's silent sentry that protects your mind, your emotions, and your will. So the first piece we talked about was a piece we could know. So this is a piece we can feel, we can experience it. But we got to know it first. Does that make sense, guys? We got to know it. So many people, well, I want God's peace, but they're not willing to seek him. Okay? We need to seek him. That's what I love about you, my church family. You are here to seek the Lord. We give place to his word. We want to know what he has to say. Why? Because from that, emotions will follow. Feelings will follow. Worship of our lives unto him will follow when we know. We don't need to be tossed to and fro. Even in seasons of hardships, guys, we still can stand straight and narrow. Okay? Why? Because we have a God who will guard us, our hearts and our mind, no matter what we go through. So it's a peace that holds us steady. It's a peace that transcends all understanding so we can feel, sense, experience it, even while not fully understanding it. It's a peace that guards So may the peace of God guard us and the God of peace go with us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. For our benediction, I have to share Hebrews 13 with you guys. It's my fave. It ties into our study here this morning. It's in chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 of Hebrews. It says, Now may the God of all peace, okay, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And Father, as we uh, just take a moment, I also want to pray and ask uh, just a blessing upon our ladies this next weekend. God, that your peace would be with them as they have opportunity to seek your face. We just pray that you'd show up in a powerful way. Lord, speak truth into their lives. God, empower them. Father, Send them out, Lord, with whatever plans, purposes that you'd be calling them to, individually or corporately as a church family. We just thank you so much just for all that you're doing. And I do want to pray and ask just for those who have been uh, just in a place of chaos, Lord, uh, maybe relationships that have just been broken. We know that you're a God of reconciliation. Lord, you're a, you're a peacemaker, and that's what you're calling us to do. I pray that you'd give us, Lord, the strength never to give up on a relationship, Lord, to keep fighting for the good. Lord, give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, please bring remembrance. We covered a lot of scriptures today. Just bring these truths back to our mind, Father, that we'd be able to stand in the truth. And I really do ask that we'd all be able to know your peace, Father, to truly experience it. We ask this in your name. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you guys next week. If you're not on the retreat, Lord willing, it's going to be a fun study.